we're starting this, and we, I'm going to go back over the first two points, and this is what we're going to come to in the end of the, the message, uh, because we need to know as Christians, as followers of Christ, how powerful the love of God is and how, um, what power it has to hold us close to Christ. And it says in Romans, Paul speaking, uh, or writing in Romans chapter 8, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, as it is written, for your sakes we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, this morning as I pray over this passage, as we listen to this message, as we consider the power and the wide-sweeping, uh, all-encompassing manifestation of your love in our lives, as we come to faith, as we grow in faith, and we begin to understand that uh, uh, this very morning your love is uh, permeating this room that we are standing in, that we are worshiping in. Father, we are giving you thanks and we are praising your name for the love that you show us that as you lead and guide us through different situations in our lives when we lose a close friend or as we're praying for our brother and trusting in your hand to heal, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray that this morning our eyes are opened more and more to the power and the, the, just the the awesomeness of your love and your grace in our lives, that we would cling to that love because it's that love that keeps us in the fold. It's that love that protects us from harm. It's, it's not how well we follow the rules. It's how much we realize we are loved, that we become more and more committed and willing to follow you wherever you would lead us, Father. And Father, it's by that love sanctifying us and setting us apart, being inside of us, that's what draws people to the cross, to salvation, is the love they see in us from you and the love they see go out of us because of you towards them. It's all about love. I know we will be speaking about the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, but I believe the building block, the foundation of walking Living, loving, being a follower of Christ begins with love. Father, I pray this morning for these things. I pray for these requests that I have in my pocket that have been given to me. I, I think of the uh, family, Fern's family out in uh, uh, Denver who lost a very young man to uh, uh, taking his own life completely uh, unexpected. Father, I lift up Cody's family out there. Uh, Berkeley and uh, Buckley, excuse me, and I pray for them. Lord, it's, I just pray your love over that situation. Father, it, it is uh, so hard to know what to say or how to pray in those situations. And I always just pray, Father, what you've showed me is that your love and your hope covers that. And Father, I pray 
that that life wouldn't be lost in vain. And I know it won't because I know in your word it says what enemy means for evil, you will turn and make good out of. So, Father, I, I pray that you use that life for good that has been taken from this earth. Father, I have another request here for a doctor, a butcher, uh, dying from cancer. Uh, Father, I have a list of things we pray for on Wednesday night, probably 30 or 40 things. Uh, and we see answers like William has shared. And Father, I lift up this doctor, butcher. Father, I pray for these things that are uh, too numerous to mention on a Sunday morning, uh, word for word. But those things on that list, Father, those needs, there's, there's needs for healings. There's needs for relationships. There's needs for financial re restoration. There's needs for salvation. Father, there's need for deliverance. Lord, there's needs for uh, 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 a place to live. Father, there's needs uh, for people to come back to Christ. And on and on the list goes. And Father, I'm so thankful that we have a God who loves us and cares about us enough to listen to each one of those as we pray on Wednesday night. And Father, these testimonies we are hearing are coming as an answer to those prayers. Not just Wednesday night, but Wednesday morning when the ladies pray and at the hands of our quilting ministry. Uh, Father, uh, many places, uh, at all the ministries that we have going on in this place, uh, Father, this is a praying church. Lord, you've called us in, to that and taught us to pray and uh, to expect to have an anticipation of an answer of, of a presence of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we do that and we thank you that we can stand here and give praise to your name for those answers. Now, Father, I just pray over this message and ask that you would continue to bless us and fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us where we need to hear it this morning. Comfort us where we need to be comforted. Uh, correct us where we need to be corrected. Father, just do your work. Have your will be done in our hearts and our minds, I pray. In Jesus' holy and precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Children, young people are dismissed to uh, junior church. Well, as I said last week, I'm glad that many of you stayed home and we're not praying for more things like broken hips and things of that nature because it was pretty nasty outside. But uh, I'm glad that we're all here this morning and it's spring this weekend. Um, so we'll see how that manifests itself throughout the rest of the, the week. We'll see. We've got to be getting close somewhere in there. I think it was Judy sent me a, a funny thing that uh, the DNR had requested that uh, uh, for the 4th of July ce uh, celebrations this year that uh, we would have all the ice shanties removed off the, all the lakes from fishing because we weren't sure if it would take place before then or not. So, uh, uh, but you got to love it. We get all the seasons here in Michigan. So uh, uh, some we get extra and some uh, are too short. But uh, today as we continue... Um, as we share those testimonies, I want you to, to be prepared for that on Sundays. Uh, I don't, just uh, when you show, it doesn't have to be long, you don't have to be uh, fearful of standing up. Usually I would set everybody down, have you stand up um, and share so people can hear better like that, but just sharing what God is doing, because uh, you never know, I know a lot of times in places where I'm at, you wouldn't believe this, but I don't always want to talk. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tell them, I say, I, I talk a lot already, so some places I don't necessarily want to always do that. But God has prompted me, especially around some of my colleagues sometimes. I, I'm like, eh, 
I just stay quiet and mind my own business and get out of here unscathed. And, uh, but God's doing great things in our church, and it, uh, uh, it, uh, we should praise him for it. We shouldn't be fearful. We shouldn't be hesitant in those things because that's what we're here to do is praise him and lift up his name. It gives others hope when they hear that. I'll share a quick testimony that I shared yesterday. We are uh, meeting still on these uh, prayer initiatives, prayer, just 10 uh, teams where we're, um, I, I think there was 12 or 15 of us there in this group, and we're just talking about how we can, the movement in the, the conference and, and uh, uh, different ways that we are praying in our communities, and uh, we actually do a lot of the things uh, that they're already talking about, so it's a, it's a confirmation. For me, that's what I usually ask for God when, I, when I'm leading, um, uh, that, Lord, just, I don't want to screw this up or screw anybody up, so please, you know, make sure I'm going, direct me down the right path. It's encouraging what is happening here for a lot of people. Uh, the, uh, we had a, a young person's gathering at the uh, church in Fenton, at Benchmark Fenton, uh, Alano Club, Saturday, and um, I got there for meetings this week, and uh, they kind of sheepishly told me, one guy said, did you hear that the, the cops were called Saturday? And I'm like, uh, no, I hadn't heard that yet. <laughs> Nobody's using. And I said, they told me why. They had 150 young people in that place for a gathering, a dance and stuff. Um, the, the, they said they parked. I got to tell them to use the school parking lot and uh, but uh, the reason the music got a little loud, um, but the, uh, and they had cars parked fully down the street. They said when they closed in prayer, I think at 1230 that night, um, there was 120 in a circle praying the Lord's Prayer as they closed. So, And they, as they um, sheepishly kind of told me that, I said, that is so cool because I said I open the doors and the windows when I'm up here preaching and I can never get the cops to come or anybody <laughs> to complain. So, and I said, my brother-in-law, if we get in too much trouble, I'll, I'll talk to him and uh, I'll make him some ribs and he'll get us out of it. So, uh, yeah, I know how to. But uh, today, uh, I want to recap the first two uh, things that we talked about. And I had four points last week and I kind of recapped uh, where God has been kind of leading us in the, in the past uh, few months in preaching that I've noticed this pattern. And uh, the fact is that I noticed it also in the conference that uh, uh, we are, are uh, kind of coming out of our timidity, so to speak, uh, with the Spirit. We're allowing the Spirit to uh, uh, have His way in our churches, have His way in our, our conference. Um, we talk about things in these prayer groups that we haven't talked about in years in the Free Methodist Church. Um, uh, f- because of the uh, stigma that goes with some of it, the uh, uh, being in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. And, and uh, uh, I-, I think sometimes we get so traditionally stuck that we're afraid if the Holy Spirit shows up and somebody gets touched by the Spirit and, and wants to take off or run around the church or, or dance in the church while they're worshiping or, or whatever, we, you know, we might be arrested by the spiritual police. And that's, that's not so... Uh, God's Spirit, when, you, when He gets a hold of you, 
don't try to contain it. Let him just have his way. If he, I'm not telling you to put on a show or anything or do anything that's against you, but if he's blessing you, just let him have what he wants. It's okay if you get hit and the Spirit wants you to testify or, or he wants you to come down to the altar while we're preaching or, or singing like we've seen this morning and we see it often, you come. This is, this is not about our program. This is not about what we're doing here. This is all about God. And we want to give him total reign, total freedom to do whatever he wants in people's lives. So we needn't be afraid of that. And our church uh, leadership is waking up to that. And it's wonderful to see, to be praying with people uh, where we're, we're sitting around and we're asking God to give us a word. Where do you want us to go, God? We're, we're not just caught up in this traditionalism and the way that we uh, uh, think we have to uh, uh, appear or be, um, I'm trying to think of the word, so conservative, so to speak, that we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be the holy rollers or anything like that. I wouldn't take a chance on that. But uh, when the truth is, and I've said this several times before, we were the holy rollers when this whole thing got started. We were the people that would get filled with the Spirit. So some of our, our holiness preachers would, would make me look like Mary Poppins up here. And yes, the, the pendulum swings a little bit too far. Things get out of hand. They swing it back. It gets kind of dead. But this, God is in a move to, to open up. I mean, who? this is the words God has been giving me. If you build a fire, if you start a fire, if I start a fire, not me, if I start a fire, meaning God, in this place, and the Spirit hovers over this place. It doesn't matter what kind of programs we have or what kind of music we have or what, how we dress or, or who we are. What we're, as long as we're preaching the truth and telling the truth and God is hovering over this place, people will come. Anybody can stand in this spot. And that's what I pray for, that the day when I no longer stand in this spot, next man up steps into those shoes and, and carries us out. I hope to be here for quite a while yet. So... Um, uh, I've had people ask me, how long do you think you're staying, Pastor? I'm like, well, it depends. The, uh, I hope to be here another 15 years or so, but uh, I, I am a little bit controversial at times, so we never know. Uh, the, uh, no. The, uh, I, as God has shown me, I'm, we're, Bonnie and I aren't going anywhere for a while, so, um, except to the buffet. But other than that, um, <laughs> Bonnie's not going to the buffet, but I am. The uh, uh, first point that I covered last week is God is love. Uh, and his love is a perfect love, meaning that he has set the benchmark for the representation, manifestation, and impartation of perfect love. Uh, we talk about perfect love, and I'm going to go quickly over these first two. If you uh, weren't here last week and you want to catch up with what I said, our sermons are back online again. Uh, they're out of Facebook. Where's Mitchell? Facebook? Castbox, right? C-A-S-T dot box dot org. Yep. So go there. It will get on there. You'll have our, our sermons. And uh, ser I don't think, I think just the sermon. Okay. For now, just the sermon. It's a podcast, so you don't have to look at me. You just have to see me. So you can imagine me a lot skinnier and a lot with hair and flowing locks and all of those things. The uh, um, perfect love of God, it, it, I think something that uh, uh, really manifests or really speaks to this is the fact that uh, it says in John 15, 10 and 14, it says, uh, 10 through 14, if you keep my commands 
you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, this is Jesus speaking, and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. When we think about the idea of perfect love, we should envision Christ. And, and when we think about that as you pray about it, as you read about it, as you study about it, I want you to just gather for a minute how much love it took. Let's see, God's son is sitting at his right hand, Jesus. Now he knows that he's going to pay the, the cost the penalty for sin on the cross. This is not news to him. God didn't just come up with this as an afterthought. Oh, we've, we've had the flood and they, they, we told him we promised we wouldn't do that again. So now they're all screwed up down there on earth again. They're sinning. They're, they, need to be, they need to have a way to be reconciled. And there's, there's, we're, we're not going to keep doing all the sacrifice. So, hey, Jesus, I got this great idea. Um, why don't you go down there and go to the cross and pay the pardon for their sin. That's not how it worked. From the plan, from the beginning of time, that, and this is hard for us to fathom, because there really wasn't a beginning of time. God always has been, always will be. But this plan has been in effect. For Christ, the Son of God, to leave his place in heaven, to take on the, the flesh of a mortal man. Now, it come and walk with mankind for 33 years. Now, why was the time when he was here the perfect time? I really don't understand. I've never really got a concise answer for it. But it was just that it says that the perfect time Christ came for us. And, you know, we had all this time before. We'll have all this time after. Why that was there, that particular spot where they picked that. I really don't, I've never really figured that one out. But I just trust God that this was the time he was to come so we would have this. And here's the thing. When we talk about Easter, we're coming out of Easter and hopefully we're coming into spring. We often talk about the fact that the, the Jews uh, uh, rebelled and turned against him and the Romans crucified uh, Jesus and, and Pilate had a hand in it and Herod had a hand in it and yes, they all did. But the only reason Jesus went to the cross is because he said he would. Because he loved you. Jesus didn't get murdered. Jesus came and gave his life. He laid down his life for us. It, well, at any point in time, he could have picked his life back up. It says that in the word that the reason my father loves me is because that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Listen to this in John 10 and verse 18. No one takes it from me. This is the words of Christ himself. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus come to give his life. His life was not taken from him. He gave his life on the cross of Calvary. He allowed everything that happened to him happen so that we would not have to go through that. I don't know today if we would still, if he hadn't done that, I don't know if we would still be being crucified like they were back then, but we are being persecuted. We were in that gathering yesterday, um, and we have people all over the world in the Free Methodist Church. We got a, an urgent prayer request from Nicaragua. 
where uh, and, and we not uh, I don't we're, it's okay if I share it now, right? The uh, we have people over there. We won't. Nobody will tell. So we have people over there, but we're not supposed to put it on social media or nothing because of the unrest over there. They are evacuating our people out of there for for their life, for the fear of their life. So, and we get this while we're meeting as pastors. I'm sure it went out to a lot of different places. So we stop and we begin to pray for these things. We think of those type of things as, as we look at that with awe. How would I know I think it was our bishop that is over there, not the, one of the three we have, but the, the bishop over that area over there. He won't leave until all his people are out. He says the captain stays until the ship goes down. The, uh, and they wanted to get him out, and he said he would stay. That is the type of love that comes in and fills us and feeds our heart. They, they trust in God's love. They trust that, that if they're serving him, uh, that they're going to be protected. They also trust if they do die for their cause, that what God has in store for them is far greater than what they have here on earth. They've laid everything in God's love. Now I had a, 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 a I'm not going to talk, I probably will, but I don't want to, but I had somebody say that uh, uh, this was our best life right now in one of my conversations the other day. And I'm like, eh. And we went into the, well, you know, we are, when you get saved, you are a part of the kingdom of heaven. We are living if you have accepted Christ, you are a part of the royal blood of heaven. You are Christ's child. You are God's child, Christ's brother or sister, however you want to look at it. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven here as it is on earth. But if this is our best life, I think I picked that up from Joel Osteen and somebody liked that, didn't like that comment. And I said, I said, you know, I like what he says, but there's a little more to it because if this is it, Heaven's not that all it's cracked up to be. And when I look in the Bible and I see Paul was up, taken up in the third heaven and he can't even, the person that he's talking about, which was probably him, can't even express in words what God has prepared for us in heaven. And I said, just for the, the simple fact, uh, this past month in, the, uh, that, in our groups up there, three people have OD'd and died. One was brought back from death. That's, just, that's monthly there. This is not... Our best life. And I said, because what I read in Revelations is that God has prepared a place for us where there's no more crying and no more dying. There's no more sickness. There's no more uh, uh, getting phone calls that, that someone has taken their life or somebody has OD'd. Or there's no more depression. There's none of these things. There's life like it was set up to be back in the garden. Perfect. And, you know, I'm all about living for Christ here, but my hope has nothing to do with what's going on here. My hope is that when I get home, this is going to be a fire. We won't deal with cancer no more. We won't deal with addiction no more. We won't get those phone calls no more in the middle of the night. Because God loves us so much that he has prepared a place. He said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you so that you might come to me. Think about where God lives. That's going to be a great, that's going to be way better than this. And we will be enveloped in his perfect, matchless, marvelous love. Number two, perfect love. And this is kind of where I left off halfway through this point here. It's perfect love is the agent and the 
actuation of the Christian sanctification. Now that's a big, those are some big words. So for, for me, um, maybe you got them all, but we don't use the word sanctification a whole lot in our churches. I don't really know why, because it's one of the distinctives of the holiness church. Uh, but sanctification, uh, in a layman's term, or layman's uh, definition, is um, it's the second work of grace is one thing it's known by. A definition, a def, a di, a di, excuse me, a dictionary definition of it is to make holy or to set apart as sacred, to consecrate, to purify, or free us from sin. Now, we, there are terms that we use. We talk about salvation, which we know is when we accept Christ and, and we believe in Him and He comes into our heart and mind. We are regenerated, and, uh, uh, meaning that when He saves us, we are, we are brought back into the presence of God. We, we talk about rejuvenation. That's, we're, we're filled and we're revived. Um, we come into a place of uh, a sanctification. Now, our forefather, John Wesley, talked about his experience at Aldersgate uh, in a church where he was sitting there. And this is a gentleman who, we didn't set out to become free Methodists. He just set out to preach against the corruption that was in the church at the time. And he kept getting thrown out of the churches because back then the churches run the show and uh, they may have had all the money and they were crooked and, and corrupt in a lot of places. And uh, uh, one of the reasons I get asked, well, why, what's the free Methodist? Well, back then they made you pay for your pew. And if you couldn't afford to sit in a pew and pay the rent for the pew, you didn't get to hear the gospel. Uh, we were also against slavery throughout human slavery, and we still are. That's one of our big distinctives. We fight human trafficking around the world. That's where a lot of people are, are serving. So Wesley is, is out here. He's preaching, and he's going through these things. Um, and he comes to a place in a service where he has this experience with God, where he realizes he's been called to more than just salvation and, and the, the promise and the hope of heaven. But he's been set apart for God's work. He's been set apart as an example of what the love... It, 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 he talks about being strangely warmed from the head to the toes as this takes place in him. He, f he is filled with God's love and he begins to realize some of the depth to what his calling has. And you say, well, maybe my calling doesn't have that depth. I believe everybody is called to become sanctified and set apart, where you realize uh, that you are God's holy instrument. God has made you holy. Doesn't mean everybody preaches. No, doesn't mean everybody goes on to be superintendents or missionaries. Or, or what. It doesn't mean that. That's where we get caught up. Well, if I do that, I, you know, I might get sent to Uganda or, or to wherever. And, and, and God might just sanctify you so you can be set apart in your own household and be an example of Christ. You know, just think about if we had a sanctified person in each household in this country today that believed and was set apart for the things of God, where we would be if just dad, the leader of the household, I'm picking on the guys again, dad, the leader of the household, would accept God's work and regeneration and salvation and being washed over and say, I'm going to, to lead my family to Christ and in Christ while I'm here on this earth. Think of what, how many problems we would overcome in society over that. So it, it's, it's not necessarily being called off. Is it part of being called off? Yes, it's, 
I, I shared my spot where I felt I was sanctified way early before I got to where I am now, but I knew I was set apart for God's purposes. I, I, I assumed it was going to, I felt called to the ministry, and, and it worked, and, and it's still at work. There's still things that, that God is working through us. Grace and, and, and sanctification. Uh, Randy Maddox writes a book, and, and uh, Terry, you will study it when you get to your systematic theology uh, class with, if you have Dr. Van Valen, I had him, but it talks about uh, and Responsible Grace is the book, if you ever want to read it. It talks about that when we are, sometimes we, we think when we have that experience that it, that's all, it, that's it. We're sanctified right there. But what it is is we have this knowledge, a fuller knowledge of Christ in us and, and filling us. And we realize when he brings something up that is impure or unpleasant to him or, 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 or maybe just burdensome to us in our spirit as we're walking, that we have the responsibility to respond. And we, that's how we grow in grace. That's how we become down the road, years down the road, how our sanctification is continuously working out itself within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we go, hopefully, as we grow and we move down the road of faith, that some of the things, I, I, I am so glad that I don't struggle with the same things I struggled with 26 years, 27 years ago. God has worked through a lot of those things. There's still things I struggle with at times that God works out. Sometimes, just like I said earlier, just standing up. I'm not always comfortable standing in front of all my colleagues because I, I look and I think I never felt comfortable being with the boys with the big churches and stuff because I'm like, I just like it under the radar where they leave me alone and nobody calls. And... Uh, uh, I'm good with that, and uh, I don't have that luxury. This morning I got a text from the superintendent. Uh, evidently from the meeting yesterday, he heard some of the things that were going on, and uh, he was praying for our services this morning. As I, and that's great. That wasn't, I get along good with him, so that's, uh, I'm glad of that. Uh, but just, I look at it and I'm like, God, I'm not capable of standing here with these guys and doing this. This is crazy. Why would I stand up and talk? These guys are I'm way smarter than I am. And uh, I have to work through that because he says, yeah, they probably are way smarter than you, but I'm on you and you don't need to worry about that because I'm working through you. You just do what I say and you'll be okay. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. You see, sometimes we think we have to be something else for God to love us fuller. God just wants us as we are. Come as you are, is what he says. Come as you are. He, I, I don't need your preconceived notions. I don't need you to come and tell me who you are, what you are. I just need you to be surrendered to me and my spirit and my love. Let me fill you, and I will do in you what I need to have done. In you, out you, around you, through you, whatever. Just come. I write in this, it says, part of the, the scripture we talked about last week is, this is how love is made complete, complete among us, and that, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. This is John, 1 John. In the judgment, in this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, I struggled with that verse for years. Perfect love drives out fear. Now, how can love drive out fear? That just didn't, 
seem like that work right for me. As I study, as I pray, as I've grown, and I ask God, I realize that I really don't have fear no more. I don't fear death because the perfect love of God is in me. If I die, I go to heaven. Paul says to live is Christ. To die is gain. You see, we worry so much about the physical. God lives outside of the physical. You do have a bone to pick with Bruce when you get to heaven, dying on your birthday. But he got, I mean, that's a, you tell him, what a great birthday present that you were in heaven the day I, that you died. Perfect love. When we love Christ, and he is filled. Jesus, and this is our example, Jesus never showed fear in what he went through on the cross. The only time we see any smidgen of fear or, 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 or trepidation is when he knows that the Father is going to turn away from him for that second when he has to give up his spirit and the earthquake happens and the veil is torn and, and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The only thing he ever feared was having his father turn his head away from him and take his eyes off of him for that bleak second in history. Other than that, he knew, I, I, I lay down my life. Nobody takes my life. My father loves me. I don't have nothing to worry about. And even if he does call me home in his perfect love, he's got far greater things in store for me when I get home. So why would I be afraid of what this world has to offer to me? We struggle with that. And yet, is it right to pray for healing? Yes, God tells us to pray for healing. James chapter 5 tells us when there's sick among you, gather the elders together, anoint them, and, and pray over them, and ask for healing. In faith, not doubting, but faith that God can heal you. Sometimes the greatest healing comes when God says, all right, I'm not going to heal this cancer, this heart disease, or this whatever that's going on. Or this. I'm going to call you home. We struggle with that because we're in the physical. And we miss people. We have a, a, an affection for people. And we don't want them to go. But that's why when the perfect love that, 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 that you have inside of you because of God, Tim knows he's going to go see Bruce again. There's a period in between it's going to it hopefully it's a long time because you look like you're in pretty good health and i can still use you around here for god's still got plans for you i'm sure leslie's not ready to kick you out yet well maybe she says but the but there's that separation for a time but there's no fear because he knows he's going to see his friend again that's why we live this life without fear that's why it's so important that we share the message of the gospel. That perfect love of God says, if you believe in me, it doesn't say if you do these great works, do all of these things, then I'll let you into heaven. It says, if you believe in me and ask for forgiveness of your sins and believe in the work that I did on the cross and forgave your sins, you go to heaven. It doesn't say you've got to be perfect. It doesn't say you won't struggle. It says you go to heaven. There's a hope, a home. A place where no more death, no more crying, as we already talked about. That's the love that God puts in us. That perfect love is his love in us, realizing this is not it. Not by a long shot. Colossians says, these words, and then I'll move on to point three. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not 
on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Sanctification goes far beyond simply being of good moral character, moral and ethical character. This is my notes. Sanctification is the consecration of one's heart, soul, mind, body, possessions, people, relationships, all that this world encompasses to the things of God, his kingdom and cause, that the gospel might be preached. The gospel and the grace and the love of God is the most important thing in our lives because it's the only thing we take out of this life into the next. The only way you get out of here alive is to be filled with God's perfect love and to know him. You can say amen. That's a good spot to say amen. Number three, and I've kind of covered part of this in, in point two, but it says, uh, why and how perfect love removes all fear. There's no fear in John 4, 18, it says, 1 John 4, 18, it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. One thing, when we grasp God's perfect love and the cause of his holy kingdom, we understand that the, the life that awaits us in the eternity, that we, we escape punishment because of this love that God has poured into us and this love that we give back to God. We, there's nothing but blessing and deliverance that awaits us. When you, it says fear has to do with punishment. Jesus could have looked at the cross as punishment. He didn't look at the cross as punishment. He didn't fear, he looked at the cross as perfect love. How else, what, what love is defined in this, as I said earlier, that a man, would lay, man, woman, would lay down his life for his friend. No greater love is there than this. The other two places we hear about love is that uh, uh, Jesus says, one of the Pharisees asked, well, well how, how would you sum up the commandments? You know, Jesus says there's two. There's no two greater than this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I say this all the time in here. If we just practice those two things, just those two things, life would be so much different in this country, in this nation that we are in. You see, what greater fear do we have than dying? I don't know that there's a greater fear out there for the mortal person than dying. Maybe, maybe you know, running out of money or getting sick or the way... That, now, look, I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm not afraid of death. I've been close enough a few times. I just trust God's keeping me alive for a purpose. So uh, I live... I don't try to press the, the, my luck anymore, but uh, I can tell you stories at least five or six times back in the day when I was crazy of near death and then I can tell you three or four times when I was just having accidents near death falling out of trees blowing up houses things like that but in, in truth 
I don't fear dying. I do, having experienced a few close ones, I do kind of worry about the way that might happen. I mean, let's get real here. A couple of those accidents hurt really bad. And, uh, and I've been around people who, who suffer and, and die with cancer and things, and, and it's not a pleasant experience for anybody. And I, when you say that, I want you, I say, I'm saying this because knowing when and how we're going to die, yeah, that causes a little anxiety, I'm sure, for everybody. We all pray that we die like the, 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 the dear old saint in the church and we just die in our sleep and God takes us home and, and we don't have to know anything until we get to heaven. I hope it happens like that for all of us. It probably won't, but I hope it does. So, but the problem is I don't fear death because I know on the other side of this. So what, when you have this, and how does it remove all fear? What is it that the enemy uses against us? Fear. He uses that fear. Well, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it in hell. What if you screw up just before you die? But God is saying his love covers all that. He says his perfect love. He, he's not telling us that we are, 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 have to be perfect, but that perfect love, that intention that, that he has placed in our heart, that's what perfects us. It's God's love in our heart. Our intentions are usually perfected when we accept God's love. Do, I never want to screw up. I do screw up at times, but that's not my intention. My intention is always to do what pleases God and, and to do what He wants for the kingdom and everything. I do screw up at times. I miss things that I'm supposed to do. God directs me to do. I go pray with that person and it goes by or, or I don't want to stand up and, and share amongst those guys. Whatever it is, little things like that. Maybe I, I spend a lot of time in prayer as I lead the church because, you know, I, I think back to, and I've said it, I call the superintendent. He's like, you have a green light. I say, I know I have a green light. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for confirmation because we haven't done this before and I really don't want to screw this up real bad. The, uh, I'm trying to do the right thing. So you're supposed to be my leader. So I'm calling you. Tell me this is the right thing. And he does that and he tells me that. And we move through that. God's not grading me on performance, nor is he grading you on performance. He's grading you on whether or not the love of God, his love, if you've accepted that love in your heart. And that in, in, intention, your intentions are, are perfect because you love God, he loves you. I would love to be perfect. I'm not even close. Somebody's laughing a little harder than they should. <laughs> as a, but that's what casts out fear. We don't have to be perfect. God is not called. His son was perfect. When we get to heaven and he stands in front of God, he doesn't see, oh, you built this great ministry or, or, or you know, 1,100 quilts. He doesn't see that. Those are wonderful things. Having that or, or teaching a class, wonderful things. Wonderful things. He doesn't see that. He sees you standing there. Does he see the reflection of perfect love in your life? Does he see Jesus in you? He's seen Jesus in the guy that hung next to Jesus on the cross while he was dying. Two guys were there. They were both criminals. Neither one deserved to get in. But he believed. He's, the one is jeering and mocking. The other one's like, don't you know who this is? This is the Son of Almighty God. He did nothing to deserve this. Jesus looks at him and says, you'll be in paradise today because you believed in perfect love. 
Perfect love for. This is where we get to that scripture that I read this morning. Point four. Perfect love cannot and will not allow itself to be restrained. The perfect love of God overpowers and overcomes anything that the enemy can bring against us physically or spiritually. That's my note. Let me read that again. The perfect love of God overpowers and overcomes anything the enemy can bring against us physically or spiritually. I wrote, read in Romans, and I'm just about done, Mitchell, so you can come forward. In Romans 8, I read verses 35 through 39. I have 38 and 39 here. It says, for I am convinced, this is Paul speaking. Now, in, just for a moment, Stop and think about the things that Paul went through. Think about who Paul was, first and foremost, persecutor of Christians. When he got saved, he was on his way back to Damascus to get more letters to go and jail or kill more Christians for their faith. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Roman amongst Romans. He's got all these accolades. He's, he studied under uh, Gamal, the, the premier uh, rabbi teacher of the time in there. He's got accolade after accolade after his name. The power of God hits him on his way back to get more and changes his life. Complete 180 turnaround. We see in here, we read where he's been stranded in the ocean, where he's been beaten. We read about him, Paul and Silas in the, in the prison chained between guards. They, they knew the power of God was on him. Something was different because they'd chain him right between the guards. They'd beat the daylights out of him. Him and Silas would be in there singing hymns in the middle of the night until God would move, his love and his power would move and shake the very jail that they were in and set them free. And they would, they would walk out and, 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 and instead, just think of the love in Paul from being the dastardly person he was to having the love to go back in there and lead the guy and say, hey, don't kill yourself. We're still here. Don't kill yourself. We will show you who Christ is. We will help you find salvation. We will come to your house. And we will lead your whole family in this perfect love. I don't know that I would have necessarily did that. If I'd have got out, I said, Woo, God gave me a free card. I'm out of here. Boom. Gone. I want to think I would, as I grow in Christ, would have turned back and said when they were about to kill themselves, I'm not sure that I'm of the caliber of person that Paul is. Paul turned around and he, he went back. I think I would, actually, as I talked through that, because I know the perfect love of God. I would have known he got me out. And once again, I wouldn't want to screw up and have to deal with the condemnation that ah, you were supposed to go back there. I get tired of doing that. So it's easier just to listen and do what he says. But Paul had that love poured into him. All of these things happened. And he says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love that God, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that today? I'm not talking about eternal security. I'm not talking about all those things we argue about. I'm talking about there is nothing that anybody, any enemy, any person, any disease, any sickness that could separate you from the love of God. Once you've, once you've believed in that, once your faith has been built into that, 
once that becomes a reality to you, there is nothing that can come between that. We must always remember that the ultimate victory over hell, death, and the grave was triumphantly delivered by the exhibition of the perfect love of Christ at the cross of Calvary. And it was sealed by the appearance of Christ alive and well on the third day. The love of God is one thing. When he's hanging on the cross and dying, that all looks and sounds really good. But he gets its stamp of authenticity when he walks out of the grave three days later. He's saying, look, I got this power. I call out to Lazarus four days in the grave. And I say, Lazarus, come out because he, that's a friend he loved. There's significance about the four days in the grave. I don't have time. That's another day, another sermon. It, it, he loved Lazarus. He called him out. He wasn't supposed to be able to call him out after four days. Three days, yes. I don't, never understood that. You can be dead three days and still be resurrected. Four, it's over. I don't know why that works like that or what they, their thinking was. But he loved him. He said, look, I'm showing you this before I go because I can do all things through my Father, through his love that strengthens me. That's the kind of love that we are connected to. That is the foundation. As I said, we're looking into the, the fruit of the Spirit. Nine things. The first thing is love. I believe everything in the Bible, everything that in God's Word, everything that is in us because of God, the foundation block, building block, is love. Love for God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love for mankind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to sing a song. I want to read this last passage. Revelations 1 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me. And he said, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. The one who loves you holds the keys to death in Hades. Not the enemy, not the lies. Tim's friend didn't die because the devil said it was time. Tim's friend died because God said it was time. Anybody that goes that knows Christ, God has all power in his love. He allows this world to operate, but he is in charge. Make no mistake. And his love will protect you, his love will guide you, and his love will bring you home on the day you're called home. I believe that with all my heart and soul. So I'll stand.